Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to In the Psychologist's Chair with host Dr. Raymond Hamden. Our program will feature global guests joining Dr. Hamden for a psychological interview. And through their experiences, you will explore the human depth of understanding their purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Raymond Hamden. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you are in the Psychologist's Chair today. We have with us a person who was born in Dubai, Dana Sarhan. She completed her bachelor's degree with honors in international hospitality and tourism management from the University of Saudi. She currently resides in her home country, Oman, and is working in programs for social responsibility. Welcome to our program, Dana Sirhan. Thank you. Thanks. It's great to have you here. Now, you're currently also doing some graduate studies. Tell us about your graduate work that you're doing now. Uh, well, I'm currently uh, uh, trying to complete uh, my master's in responsible tourism management. Um, I did achieve my postgrad diploma in 2009, um, and I did it while I was uh, working full-time and studying. Um, and I decided to take a break when it came to my thesis because I'd exhausted myself. So. <laughs> and you've also exhausted a lot of amazing opportunities with the government of your country. You've had a lot of responsibility there. You've made friends with many people in your government, and you have a very good reputation for being an excellent planner. What are some of the current projects that you're doing in tourism as a consultant for your country? Um, well, I and I don't directly consult, but I used to work in uh, response as a responsible. My last job was as a responsible tourism manager for Omran, which is the government of Oman's tourism development arm. Um, and it was created basically to help construct uh, the tourism infrastructure in Oman, basically beginning at accommodation um, and basically influencing uh, the way hotels are built and so forth and creating partnerships across the country. Um, I left Omran in January 2011 uh, as my last sort of working month. And uh, the reason I, I decided to leave was because I realized I'd done what I could within the government sector. I'd influenced a national um, sustainable tourism strategy in the country, uh, working directly with Her Excellency Dr. Rajha. Um, may God rest her soul in peace. Uh, she passed away recently. Um, and um, through her, I was able to influence bringing the Responsible Tourism Conference in Oman through my professor uh, in university in, in England. And with that, um, we've put in policies and strategies in the country 
um, to influence um, the tourism is developed in a socially responsible manner. And I realized that I've done my role within that. Now it's actually time to go and just do the work, implementation. Although I did much of implementation within my work within Omran, I felt quite restricted at times. And the main reason was because of politics and uh, because of just the way things work. You know, It's not because of your gender. Well, <laughs> that's a um, question. Um, I think gender is sometimes, cu- you know, you know what? I've actually, I tried to steer away from gender bias, but I have to say, I've come to the conclusion that it's not just in Oman; it's all over the world. It is, and it's not constitutional to have gender bias in Oman. Oman is one of the most free nations yeah. for equality among the Arab Gulf states. You were born in Oman, a Muslim girl who is educated in the West. You sound like an American when you speak English. I heard. <laughs> and you were educated in the British curriculum. Yeah. You've had a lot of amazing experiences. How much of those experiences were your generated ideas to pursue? And how many of them were you invited to pursue? Was it something that you just naturally fell into? Or did you find yourself in a usual kind of scenario that most women in Oman would find themselves? Actually, no, totally not. I, I think the way um, my career had started was basically in a very non-traditional way. When I started working in hotels, um, which was in 1998, um, very few women in Oman worked in hotels. And I actually got a phone call from somebody in the family who called me to say, uh, my daughter, uh, only prostitutes go to hotels. Uh, because that's where it was at that time. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just because the, the people were not ready for it yet because hotels were there, but people, all the men went drinking at hotels and, you know, sort of having fun with women. And they thought all women that went to hotels um, were there that. for men's joy. Exactly. And, and I remember being so upset because I was, I was only 21 and I was, I was like literally shaking, you know, because I was just like, you know, why would he do that? I love what I do. And I'm very, I feel quite honorable in serving. You know, I, I love, you know, I love waitressing. I have to say I love waitressing because there's immediate satisfaction and it's very fast, you know, and like you can deliver service to your customer. And when you can see them smile and they say thank you, it's fantastic because that's a job ticked. It feels you are good. quite unusual as an Omani woman. Now, Omani women are not unusual or strange. They're normal people, but they have cultural (laughs) systems that dictate what you can and can't do. I would imagine that there are several people like yourself who Mm. may be seen as oppositional or even defiant. But what it really is, is you have an intelligent level of functioning and you want to pursue certain goals without being subject to gender differences. You were also able to have an international education. I've been very privileged, yes. Thanks to Allah. What was the role that your parents played in you having that kind of an opportunity that maybe other people in your country would not have had? Um, Well, I have to be honest. My dad uh, grew up in a very, very poor background. and um, But he realized, because he was intelligent, he realized very early on that the only way to make it was for him to work hard at school. And, and work in the afternoons, you know, to, to basically make some money for the family. And, and through his opportunities, he, was, he, was, he basically opened doors uh, for himself. 
And once he opened doors with himself, he was one of the first Arabs to work in the Abu Dhabi government, actually, uh, with the electricity department. And most of the people working then were, were foreigners and most of them were Germans. And so he had to mix with them because of the work situation, because he needed a job and he needed an income to support the family. How many um, brothers and sisters are there? Of my dad's? Mm -hmm. I think there are about five. Yeah. yeah, so you grew up as the oldest of all the siblings, or you have older siblings? Oh, for me? I'm, yes. I'm, oh, I come from a family of three kids, like from my parents. And, and are you the oldest of the three? Yes, I am. And did that set the role model for your siblings, who also became energetic, educated, designers of new ventures? No, actually, my, my, my brother and sister are very different to me. Okay. It's quite ironic. Mm -hmm. um, um, my brother is sort of in the middle of between Western and Eastern, whereas my sister tends leans a bit more to the Eastern, although we all had the same upbringing. Uh -huh. um, but it's just our different leanings in life. And I think, I think that happens because, because of, you know, I think we all make choices every day of opening doors in our lives and creating new experiences. How, do you, how old were you when you realized you needed to have an open door experience? How young were you? I just was made that way, I guess, because I always... So from a very young age, yeah, even yeah. when you were a little child, you knew that I need to be moving on in life away from here? Yeah, I mean, it was. I always went on trips with my dad, but I would always wander off on my own. Um, and I'd always, like, I, I think you can ask my parents, I got lost like four times when I was a child. Because um, you weren't abducted by aliens. No, no, no. <laughs> so you're not a missing times person. No, so no. all of you who are UFO buffs, leave this one alone. <laughs> no, no, no. I used to just basically if a stranger would smile at me or talk to me, I would think they were my friends because I thought everybody was my friend in the whole world. And uh, when I was a little kid, so I just was used to basically um, befriend the whole world. Was that complimentary to your parents and the household environment that you grew up in? I that it was it, an open, welcoming yeah, yeah, environment yes, yes, at home? Yes, totally, totally. Uh, the only thing is, you know, when you lose your child, because they, they think they're strangers, their uncle, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's not a very nice experience <laughs> for my parents. So, you know, what happens mm -hmm. quite often, it's a bit mm -hmm. scary, you know. Um, um, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm very grateful to both my parents uh, for, for the exposure they'd given me. And the experiences they put me through. I mean, I remember when we were kids, like, just traveling and my dad dragging us through all the museums, you know, and I'd come back from holiday and all my friends did was shop and play the whole summer holiday. And I'd be like, but we were dragged through those museums. <laughs> <laughs> no. But now I appreciate it. Now, now that I'm older, I'm very grateful because now I know Van Gogh, I know Monet. I'm actually, like, I appreciate art. Um, I appreciate music because... Um, because he exposed us to that. You know, I appreciate classical music, I appreciate pop music, you know, I appreciate the whole variety of music. But the reason is I was exposed to it and I was allowed to listen to all types of music, you know. The nation of Oman is mm. invested in the fine arts. Yes, yes. And the Sultan takes pride in bringing a lot of remarkable international experiences yeah. and also being able to boast the artistic qualities of his citizens. Yes. It must be a wonderland of fine arts to live in Muscat. It is. Um, His Majesty has an eye for beauty, if I may say. And, um, and his eye for beauty, I think, comes from a love and of, of basically delivering to his people. And also being, integ into, you know, sort of retaining integrity 
to to not just the people of Oman, but to Islam as well. I mean, the, the latest model we have is the Grand Mosque, which I think is, is a very big symbol to the world because in, in the mosque, he has it's not according to the sects of Islam. The architecture is based on every architecture or oriental art um, displayed in mosques from every Islamic nation in the world, mm-hmm. which, which shows such a secular perspective and such a welcoming, open perspective. And we have uh, everybody from Christians are allowed to walk into the mosques. We have tourists coming into our grand mosque. They're educated. They're allowed to have tours. We have libraries. So if you, if you come in as a tourist, you can spend hours in our library educating yourself about Islam and other religions so we don't just have books on, on just Islam. A lot of people don't know that in the Islamic faith and in the Holy Quran, it says that the Christians and the Jews are the children of the book. And a Muslim who practices Islam correctly would never defy or object to any of the Abrahamic religions. As a matter of fact, not to any other religion either. So you were born and raised in a family that adhered to that openness. Yes. Um, my, my, I didn't grow up in a very typical sort of, in, in the way it's known today, Islamic family. Unfor- I'm very sad to say that, you know, I have to say this, but, you know, it is, it is sort of only the fundamental of Islam, the fundamentalism of Islam that is well known, rather than the, the moderation of Islam, which is the real true religion. And it's actually not a religion. Islam, uh, in, my eyes, in my eyes, it's a philosophy. And it's a philosophy that is not new to the world. And it's, it's his, like if you, if you match it to like sort of Chinese philosophy, the Taoism, if you match it to Buddhism, even if you, you put it across the chart geographically across the earth and see when the religions came up and the correlation, you know, it shows that, you know, there's some pattern there. You know, somebody created something, you know, because mm-hmm. if you match the dates of when things appeared on the planet and there was no internet on those days. Well, when, God, a, gave a, the, when God gave the revelation mm. for Islam, it was just another reminder to humans, start shaping up. Mm. It was a continuation of Christianity and Judaism, not a contradiction to it. Our guest today in the psychologist chair is Dana Sarhan from Oman. We'll be back in a moment. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Think you know everything there is to know about running a successful business? Think again. Break it down. The truth is, you may only know the half of it. Don't worry, you are far from being alone. Many people think they can go with the half they do know, and the other half will just come naturally. When you are your own boss, on-the-job training comes at a price. Tune in to The Other Half of Business with hosts Davida Lewis and Adam Lyons, airing live every Saturday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. And find out how to get ahead with the other half of your business. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866. 
1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to In the Psychologist Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden and his featured guests. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden. Welcome back. You're in the Psychologist Chair with Dana Sarhan from the country of Oman. We're talking about the philosophy in which you were raised in your home. That actually is not just Islamic, but it encompasses what Islam represents, a culmination of all the Abrahamic religions, as well as all the other philosophies. Totally, yeah. You've been involved in social responsibility, Mm -hmm. whether it's corporate or whether it's personal. You've also been involved with children who are challenged and working in those kinds of programs. And wherever you were, private corporations or government, you would adhere to that kind of philosophy. Tell us about the philosophy of Dana Sarhan. (laughs) Well, the philosophy I'm uh, trying to basically live right now, um, and it relates of my philosophy on life in general, but it also relates... I've learned this through the, through my studies, actually, and experiences in life. And what I'm practicing right now, which uh, the very important person and a very special friend, which I had a meeting today with this morning, um, was laughing at me uh, because I drew it on a paper for him, which I said, he says, well, what do you do now that you've left? You know, you left such a good position. What are you going to do now? And I said, well, I spend three days um, working to support NGOs that I'm either a board member of. I'm a board member of the Environment Society of Oman. I'm a board member of the Early Intervention Center. And I am sort of at a sort of quite a distant level right now, um, trying to support Al Hayat, which is our latest, uh, very new association for d- raising drug awareness. Um, and, and sort of because we do have issues. And for our listeners, Al Hayat means the life. Yes. In Arabic. Yeah. So it's an NGO that's newly set up by young people um, who's taken a while to set it up uh, to, to basically, you know, sort of raise awareness anti-drugs. Um, and so I support them in different manners. Um, with the ESO, I do more publicity. Uh, so I'm the public relations uh, person who basically is in charge of making sure that sort of the strategy of the publicity we do is right and so it's strategic. So what is the philosophy of Dana Sarhan? Oh, sorry. Okay, we're going to go back to that. Okay, basically um, my philosophy right now in life is to be myself. What and does that mean? Since you can't be somebody else, <laughs> what does it mean to be yourself? It's, it's, it's doing what I feel like and not basically living my life according to what people's expectations of me are. What do you want to accomplish then? I am accomplishing. um, Where I am is happiness because I think we're all very happy when we can do all our favorite things. Um, You know, it's like, um, you know, when when we were kids, there was that song, what was it called? Um, 
Yeah, from Julie Andrews when she yes. sang <laughs> from The Sound of Music. Yes, um, and and I always remember that. And, and it reminds me of basically, you know, when things are not so good, just turn around and do your favorite things like dance, sing, paint, and write. Tear down the curtains and make dresses from them. Yeah. I saw the movie. <laughs> yeah, I tried doing that when my mother was really <laughs> upset. That does not look like a shirt. So tell me about your philosophy. You want to be yourself. What are your goals then? What are the vision that you have, the steps that you're taking to be yourself? Because it sounds so far that being yourself is being very giving. Yes, and that's who I feel. That's where I feel more comfortable. As as a, I feel very, um, I feel very happy when I give, and I think most human beings feel that. And I, I thought, you know, well, if I can spend. Seventy percent of my time giving and making a little bit of money. What about people giving to you? Are you comfortable if somebody gives you something? Yeah. Or are you much happier when you give than receiving? I actually, I'm, I'm much happier when I actually achieve something for myself and earn it for myself. And I'm happy, of course, when people gift me things. But it's not. I don't appreciate gifts as an items. I appreciate quality time with people. Um, and I, the reason I'm here today, Raymond, is because you gave me your time. And I missed a very, very VIP function that I was invited to, to be here on your show because t you gave me the time. And I respect you for that. And, and that's what I'm learning about in life is that the people who respect you, you need to respect them back and show them exactly the same respect. And so and that's why sort of we drove all this way. Um, to be here and try our best to be here on time for you, except that we got chased by the police, but um, <laughs> which was a minor, minor sort of a glitch uh -huh. on the way here. But um, we're not going to even ask about the minor glitch here. Yeah, but but, uh, <laughs> but let's talk about about your giving, mm -hmm. and your giving is very important, and you're very appreciative when people give back. Yes, this is something that also can bring in an international body of people mm -hmm. who want to participate. Mm. Many people are happy to give within their own communities, mm -hmm. whether it's Phoenix, whether it's New York, whether it's Muscat, Dubai, Tokyo, London, or whether it's Addis Ababa. Mm. But there's also people who want to be able to give in their country, mm. in the region of the world, and globally. Mm. You're moving very quickly into global giving. Mm. Your focus right now is for your country, mm -hmm. but it's also for the region. Yes. And you seem to be quite invested, if I'm reading this correctly, in letting people realize how humans are humans all the way around the world. Totally, totally. How is it that people can help people with you in Oman? What is it that an American can do that would participate in helping humans who are in the country of Oman? Well, um, do you want me to mention individuals? Or, or I it's think up we, to you. Yeah, um, well, we've got, um, if any film directors are listening out there, um, two of my very good friends that are absolutely talented, Jamal Asmi um, and Anwar specifically is, is film director and he's done work um, in the States, actually, and won awards. And if anybody can just give them a chance, they have fantastic views. They they haven't totally like sort of got their masters in what they do, but their work is phenomenal. It's world class. I've done 15 years in public relations, and I know what their work is like. It's just if somebody in the world would just give them a chance um, out there, just to do one film, um, um, even if it's a short film. And what are the names again? 
Jamal Al As uh, Jamal Al Asmi and Anwar Al Asmi. Uh, Jamal's basically the sales guy, and he's he's the guy who sells his brother, and the, his brother's the genius, who's the the creative mind. That's absolutely he's absolutely incredible. He does animation, he does video, and he's a completely different perspective and everything. And what I would ask is get them to do something towards the heritage or of anything Arabic or Islamic, you know, because then they would they would know it better and can portray it in from a from an Arabic perspective. Because unfortunately in in the Arab world we don't have all the me all the media that we watch is is Western mostly that okay. the kids watch. Mm -hmm. But it comes from a Western perspective. And so we don't even know ourselves because the perspective that we're given is a Western perspective. So it's not a truthful pers perspective because it's not from somebody like us. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, and so our, mi our mirror is always other people. And so if these kids are given a chance, they'll be able to show us by us. Do you get it? Like it's Americans, when they watch an American movie, they can com completely relate to it because there's a McDonald's around the corner, because you know you have 3D Max, because you have these things. But our kids, when they watch uh, the American movies, they don't necessarily relate to it. They think every Western country in the world is like that. There was a recent documentary film done about Palestinian rap artists mm. in Israel mm. and how they were working with not only the Palestinian children but the Israeli youth as well mm. to reach a point of understanding and appreciation about each other mm. and what each other go through. Mm. So both sides are really no sides inside of that country. Yeah, exactly. It's from the outside that we see a differential process taking place, but inside people are actually working together. Now, you've also been close to helping people from all over the world. Yeah. One of them is actually in Israel, the Palestinian situation. You've been pretty close to that. You've been concerned about those kinds of situations, the Palestinian plight. Mm. What kind of things would you advise people to be able to do to better understand the reality of how actually people in a country get along more than the media actually portrays. I think it's up to the people now. We need to take control back into our hands of truthful communication. And the key thing in the world, I think, what I've been in communication for almost 15 years, and one thing I've noticed is the biggest conflicts happen for no reason. It's because of a misunderstanding. And if we totally, you know, I came up with a concept many years ago, which, which is a word I made up in my diary, which was called edu-communicate. If we could edu-communicate the world, how to communicate. There's two skills in life that are absolutely necessary to function in modern life, which is basically money management, financial management, if you want to call it, but money management, and also communication, because life does not happen without relationships. And our harmony in life happens where we're in more harmony, harmonious relationships. But a lot of conflict happens because of communication. And the biggest communication we have and the biggest burden of communication we have in the world today, and it's not just in Oman or the Arab world or everywhere, the biggest problem is we don't have time to listen to each other. We don't have time to notice body language. Because body language, historically, around the world, like in even the caveman's days, was used as a signal of communication. 
Well, so when it's you very said basic. caveman days, you were looking right at me like I've had that experience. <laughs> and you're probably right. I am almost that old. But what about the body language that's very important for you, which is also known to be important for you? Because you've taken the time not to do this by telephone, mm. this interview, but you drove all the way from Muscat to Dubai, mm -hmm. which is about a four or five hour trip. Mm. And you chose to drive it because you wouldn't necessarily get here on time if you flew. Mm. It was actually easier to drive because mm. it's very important for you to have that direct physical contact eye to eye sitting across the table with your microphone and me sitting with my microphone. Yes being able to read the body language. Yes, totally, totally. And I think one of the things that is oppressed in the world, it's not just, you know, sort of here at all. It's, it's the oppression of the body. And, you know, we all want to dance. You know, I don't, I don't believe there's a single human being on the planet that doesn't enjoy dancing. You know, everybody from spiritual people to like, if you look at, you know, everybody dances. You know, if you look at the dervishes um, and even in, in the Hindu temples, like, Everybody dances. And the Sufis. Yes, exactly. And, they have and a remarkable dance. Exactly. And so it doesn't mean you come from a lower class of society if you dance. Whereas there's a perception in the Arab world that um, um, I, I'm really sad to say this. It's okay, maybe it's not in the Arab world. Maybe I can say in the Gulf that it's haram. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific time on the voice america business channel explore the power and beauty in yourself and in others tune in to the stacy stern show enriching you every week stacy stern will connect you with men and women who are living and working from a place of passion stacy's guests include successful authors filmmakers actors experts and leaders you'll hear what inspires each of them and you'll be turned on to great films books and new media Tune in to the Stacy Stern Show, enriching you, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to In the Psychologist Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden and his featured guests. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden. In the Psychologist Chair is Dana Sarhan from the nation of Oman. Let's talk more about dance. Dance is a very important form of communications. What is your experience with that communication style? 
Um, I think dance is extremely therapeutic. It also allows your body to be more flexible, which allows more circu blood circulation in your body, which means you're functioning your body as a human being, as a as I guess a vehicle is functioning better because it's like, you know, if the petrol, if you put petrol in a car and it doesn't flow in the right way, then of course the AC might not work or this might function because, because it's just not going to the right places. So I think dance gives, allows the body. Um, and I'm not asking people to dance in the streets, but please do if you feel like it. Um, um, because I think it's fun, you know, and singing as well, you know, we need to express ourselves. And I think that's wh why we have a lot of the issues we have in the Middle East today is because expression of human expression is oppressed. And it is not oppressed by the governments, unfortunately. It is a oppression of the people by themselves. And it's basically going back to traditions. And if I may, I'd like to refer, and you, you guys can go find this on YouTube. There's, there's a video of His Majesty, and I remember watching it in the first time I watched it, and, and I cried because he, ha he was so wise when he first took his leadership role. He was very young. And he was talking to the first batch of students that, that left Oman, to go to study uh, abroad um, and he was advising them and, he, and this is um, on YouTube and it's in Arabic and what he says to them is he says look you know when you leave here you're gonna you're gonna go to a new world and you're gonna see new things um, and when you see those new things you need to understand these are people these are different people and we need to respect them um, and they will respect us too. But also you need to take what is good from their culture and bring it back. And you need to leave what's bad from their culture and also take the best of our culture and traditions and leave the, the bad and combine those two to build our country together. Which is such wide wor wise words for somebody so young. I mean, if you look at him, he was so, so young. Um, and to talk of, to an age group that was almost his age group in that voice. You know? You're one of the people who carried through with that instructional philosophy. Mm. How many people of your generation adhere to your style of thinking from your country? Not very many. Unfortunately, I, I'm, very, I'm very sad to say a lot of young people today limit themselves, um, not because they limit themselves because they have knowledge at the tips of their hands, but they don't have access to it because they, their minds, they limit themselves. You know, some of the things we were, you know, I was driving here with um, one of Oman's top um, social media experts, um, uh, Maria Ocean. Her name is on Twitter, I think. <laughs> and uh, me and Maria had a very interesting drive here. Um, but the reason Maria is here today is because I challenged Maria. You challenged Maria. I challenged Maria. Um, I challenged Maria. I woke up this morning and I thought, you know what? Why don't I take her with me? And um, I have a f a f another friend, Ahmed Al-Mari, who's in Dubai, who has a radio show that I'd been on before, but it was in a local radio. And I said, you know what, I called, like I sms I messaged him and said, can, can, maybe can we come on or whatever. And um, he said, call me when we get here. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take you and put you on the radio in Dubai. You know, and um, and while we're going to do that, because she's helping me put up um, a new company that, uh, that, that I'm forming in Oman, a social responsibility company. And is that going to be an NGO? No, it's well, it's it's a it's not it's not an NGO because it's too complicated but to it's set up an NGO. No, it's actually it's actually a business because I need to eat. And, and, and so it's going to be a profitable organization. Yeah, it's actually the the we're, we're partnering. Uh, me and my partners are partnering with the f the only actually international global CSR company in the world. 
there's only one international CSR company in the world. So businessmen out there, the opportunities are huge. <laughs> and this is an opportunity for people from around the world exactly. to work with people from the nation of Oman. Yes, and I'm very proud to say that um, on Saturday, uh, we're launching ISO 26001 to the Middle East from Oman. Um, well, congratulations. And ISO 26001 is a corporate social responsibility quality management system. And what's fantastic about that and the company that sort of we're, we're bringing into Oman is that everything is available online. So any company, any organization, any small business, anybody who wants to do some social responsibility can now buy it online, a toolkit or, you know, sort of ask an, an ISO auditor for, for the tips and so forth. And, and they basically have a guideline of how to be socially responsible. Do you by any chance have the address for that? Yes. Yeah, the, I mean, there's there's two main addresses. They're, they're in English because it is a global company. Uh, it's the, the csr-company.com and also csr-company.ch, which is based in Switzerland. But please do go on the online Facebook account created by Maria Ocean. It's going to be live tonight. Um, and it's called the Facebook. It's going to be called the CSR Oman, uh, the, the CSR company Oman. And it's, on, it's going to be live on Facebook. Um, please go on there. And if you're hearing this, um, if you're hearing this radio show, um, please, you know, like it, like, like our company, because we have, if, I think if we can get enough messages to the government and the corporates in the Middle East, we will give peace a chance. If we can just reach out and communicate to those poor people and the people in need, because nobody wakes up in the morning thinking, I want to spend the whole night demonstrating. Nobody wants to do that. And there's no human being on earth that wants to spend their day like that. What do you want to accomplish in social responsibility? What are the goals for this organization that you're putting together? My goals is to raise awareness um, to the corporate world um, to be responsible. But if you want to ask, th this is the CSR company, if you want to ask my, my philosophy within the social responsibility field, um, and I'll refer to William McDonoghue, who um, I've been wanting to meet you for years, and I love your book, Cradle to Cradle, um, um, is basically, the idea is, I believe, you know what, enough sustainability because it hasn't worked. The mess we're in today is because we can't even convince each other climate change is a real thing. You're There's making a difference, Dano. What do you want to do that's going to be different that'll make this work? I think we need to go beyond sustainability. I think if, if, if I can convince the government and the corporations in Oman to believe in themselves, to realize that we don't need to be sustainable. We don't need to build green buildings. We can just build buildings that were functional and we don't even need to go to the west we can just look across the road to yemen or even look at our forts because the architecture is there and you know what it doesn't matter if it costs more we create the economy but you're not going to object if people from america europe south america want to participate no we don't object but the thing is until the people the people will not respect until they know it you know, and they, they do respect in Western perspectives, right? But the thing is what we need to create, and I, th I thank Sheikh Mohammed for this in Dubai because he's created confidence to the Arab world in ourselves. Dubai has done wonders for the Arab psych because Dubai has proved that we can do it ourselves. 
okay, we can hire the Western, we can work with them, but together we can we can also be modern. You know, in, in Dubai is the equivalent of New York, of the Middle East. Um, and to us, that's our New York, like if you're talking to the States. And by him creating that, he basically changed our focus that, you know what, it's not just the Western world that can have this. You can have this too. But you just need to reach out and do it. You need to read out, reach out and do it. And, and what he did to the Arab confidence across the region was he actually, by just doing it, he he allowed them to copy and emulate, and that's what and and the spread has been all over. You know, Qatar, Abu Dhabi, the development of all these um, nations. Yeah, Bahrain and so on and so forth. Yeah, Saudi exactly. Arabia and and well. and it just took one person's idea to make his vision come true, and with a purpose, because his intention was basically, you know, sort of to do something like that. You know, in the United Arab Emirates, intention. But, well, in the United Arab Emirates, there's forty thousand Americans. Wow. And these people are not here just to vacation. They're actually happily working alongside government, alongside private industry. And probably the same thing in Oman. You have a large number of people from all over the world, including mm. the United States yes. and Europe, Africa, mm. and Asia. Mm. So there's a lot of opportunities for Australians, New Zealanders as well, mm. from all the continents to come to various places in the Middle East. If you had an opportunity to educate the whole world on what is the Arab country of Oman like, what would you say? What would be a one or two sentence line that you'd say, for those of you who don't know the Arab world, let me just tell you about my country, Oman. What do you want them to know about your country? Um, well, I, w I won't use my words. I'll use Hillary Clinton's words. <laughs> and, She's an Arab also, right? Yes. Um, we, I, well, I recently attended a breakfast uh, with Hillary Clinton when she visited Oman. And she was talking to the civic society in Oman. And uh, what she said to all the NGOs was, if I could take what Oman had created and the leadership of His Majesty and bottle it, I'd take it to the ends of the earth. Because what we've achieved in 50 years as a nation is absolutely incredible. And it wasn't just his wise leadership, but the people that trusted him. And until today, they trust him. And I am highly educated. I'm not being paid to say this. And that's what a lot of people are skeptical. They're like, how can he do that? How, how is everybody else? How are every single neighbor around the country different? And the reason is, is because he's absolutely genuine. He, he takes his job because that's what he is. And he's very honest about it. This is a job. I am in his position and I have to perform. In nations like the United Arab Emirates, as well as Oman, and a few of the other countries that have mm -hmm. been mentioned, True democracy is practiced here. In Oman? In Oman, in the United Arab Emirates. Yes. The real style of democracy where people have the freedom mm. to participate. Yes. To be part of a good process, and they're rewarded for it. It's not bad competition. Mm. It's actually good cooperation. Yes. And you're here talking about that as a citizen of Oman, mm. Because you were born there. Yes. But the actuality, Dana, you're a citizen of the world. In the last segment of today's show, we're going to be back and we want to talk to you about engaging the people of the world with the program that you're developing. Okay. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden. We'll be back in the psychologist's chair in just a moment. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to In the Psychologist Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden and his featured guests. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you are in the psychologist chair for the last segment with Dana Sarhan of the Sultanate of Oman. Dana, you've been very generous in talking a lot about yourself, your country, and how citizens of the world need to learn to respect trust, and cooperate together. And communicate. Your venture in doing social responsibility is not just for corporations in your country. Mm. It's a worldwide program. Let's talk about worldwide cooperation. Mm. People want to be in touch with you. People want to cooperate in Oman and the region Mm. as you are reaching out. How can people contact you? And what are some of the things that you're doing in which they can participate? Well, you can contact me through my Facebook page. Um, and also I have a blog called wesharewonesky.wordpress.com. And uh, it's actually, um, it was a birthday gift to a 95-year-old American in Bedford who is a, is a good friend of mine. And we basically, um, uh, we met and we just clicked. And, and she's an incredible woman. And the website was dedicated for her 95th birthday and also to the nation of Oman for its 40th national day. And it talks about we share one sky. And the idea comes up from, um, she asked me, Julie asked me um, when we first met, literally the first few minutes we met, I said, hi, how are you? Have you ever been to the Middle East? And she looked at me, she says, I've been to Japan many years ago when I was younger. Because my husband was, I don't know, he served in the military and so forth. And she said, but it doesn't matter. And she said, do you have a sky in Oman? And I said, yes. Do you have stars in Oman? Yes. Do you have clouds? Well, sometimes it's sunny most days. 
And she turned around and said, see, we share the same sky. We share one sky. And I said, oh, wow. It was such a small sentence, but I, I spent many days thinking about it. And I realized, my God, you know, this, this, all this conflict in the world. And we share the same sea. We share the same sky. We all share the same experiences. We're all human beings. We, every one of us has diarrhea. You know, at some point in their lives, everyone of us has flu. We're all like each other. Our fears are the same. The risks we take in our life are the same. But what we need to do, what, I, what I'd like to send a very strong message out, is your role models, they need to be successful people because they're obviously doing something right. Their ro your role models need to be benevolent people. Your, your role models need to, ha to speak in harmony, what, to believe in their hearts what, what they do, to say it when they speak, and also to action it because that's true integrity. And that's Gandhi's quote, basically, you know, sort of referring to Gandhi. The other thing is, we will never solve the climate change issue. We will never solve it. You know why? Because we don't have time. We don't even have time for ourselves. We don't have time to listen to what we say. We're not, edu we're not educating ourselves. So those four words, we share one sky, mm is inhabited by 7 billion participants. Yes. yes. And you're going to engage all 7 billion. Wow. Yes. And I, I, I encourage you to go on, on the website because it, it, we all take photographs of sunsets and enjoy sunsets. And the website is the beauty of sunsets. And, you know, it's incredible because a sunset uh, and a sunrise is, is different every year. And it depends every time of year because, you know, of the position and you can take it from so many different angles. And, and that's the whole point that I want to send across is, is basically it doesn't matter. It's like if you're a photographer, you can, look at, you can take the same photograph from a gazillion angles. You know, now they have 360 cameras, you know. And that's the whole point is we all look at things differently, but it doesn't mean what we're looking at is different. And we need to wake up to that. There's, there's a quote by Thomas Jefferson. I'm sure the Americans know it. I, I don't remember it by heart, but it talks about that. It's not, it's not how or the difference on, on, on how we're gonna achieve it, but it's what. And we need to remember that it's what. It's the objective and the goal we need to focus on. If we're gonna talk about peace, then let's be inte you know, integral in, in our discussion and keep our objective to optimum benefit to both because there are solutions that are in the world that give you the optimum benefit. The, you know, there is no way, there is no optimum solution to any problem in the world. And I totally believe that. And we need to just give peace a chance, but we will not give peace a chance if we do not educate the people. And to educate the people, unfortunately, I'm very sad to say the latest statistics I've heard is that there's only 3% readership in the Arab world. I'm, I'm very ashamed to say this, but I'm also saying this because I want everybody, every Arab, every Muslim, to pick up a book and read, to go online. And if you don't have time, please visit TED.com because there are incredible ideas out there. Um, there's a new initiative where Arabs, actually a group of young Arabs, have decided to summarize because they've realized this. Im imagine that these young guys have realized this. And what they've created online is they've taken the top 50 books in every field of like management, in science, and so forth, and translated into Arabic, but have summarized it. And these guys spend weeks summarizing and, and basically fine-tuning the key ideas of the books because Arabs will read like shorter books, like shorter thingy, but they can't read the whole because because it's not a habit, you know? So they've created these mini books so they can read them and you can download them online for free. And in eight pages, you can get the concept of the book. 
which is fantastic. It's a brilliant digest yeah, system. Yeah, but but it's great because because that's exactly what the people need because they don't have time. They've missed a whole lifetime of reading. Don't be so concerned that three percent of the Arab world are leaders because. If you look statistically around the world, mm. only 2.2% are leaders anyway. Really? Oh and my there gosh. are 10% who actually are challenging what they hear in the media. 90% of the population does not challenge what they read or what they see or hear in the media. So it's not because the Arab world is different than anywhere no, else. No, no, no. Yeah. It's actually because there are places in the world where certain things are culturally encouraged. Mm. What we're seeing today, especially in your generation, Dana, is that there is more reading, more library engagement online by people of the Middle East. A lot of people don't but realize... But not enough, not enough. I'd well, like it to be a lot that, more... But you could say that in the United States, Europe, and Asia, where yes, kids are not reading as much. The percentage is lower. And that's yes. happening. And that's why movies movies are really important. And that's why I talked about those guys, because that's the tool. If we empower the youth to, to show their world in their eyes, then we can make a difference. Because they see much more than adults see. Because by the time you're, you've grown up like and you're an adult, you've already... Like your mind map is so limited... Mm-hmm. Um, because of limitations, your fears, and so forth. Um, but you don't have to be that way because Raymond isn't that way. I think Raymond is the youngest adult I've met. I think he's a little kid at heart. Well, um, I'm going to talk about my new slogan for my life, and I think to the corporate world and well, everything, really. Um, I, I believe totally that um, you can be good, as in, in the way we conduct business, you can do good, which is social responsibility in reference to the corporate world. And you can do it all by f- looking good and in the end feeling good about it. And there are examples all over the world of that. So I'm, I'm asking people out there to think how they can be good in the way they design their businesses. And I, th- I know Philip Kotler right now is finalizing his publishing his book. I don't know if it's out yet on basically how do you insert social responsibility within the brand as in marketing. Um, and so that's what I want to say. And then just one last thing is uh, there's a young girl in Oman who wants to be an astronaut. Give her a chance. Oman has also had a young man who went to the North Pole. Yes. What an amazing thing. Yes. And you're from the Sultanate of Oman, where there are great people in that great nation with a great leader. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for being on the show. Dana Surhan, you've been in the psychologist's chair. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and we'll look forward to hearing from everybody next week. Have a good day. Thank you again for joining us this week for In the Psychologist's Chair. Please join Dr. Raymond Hamden for another edition next Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we speak again, hope you enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.